0: Good evening, church. It is great to see you here tonight, and uh, a blessing. It's, it's you know, you ever thought about the fact that it's of how much of a blessing it is for the preacher to come up and look out into the auditorium and see people, (laughs) right? And so COVID kind of you know brought that out. It's like wow, for so long it was we look out and there was you know maybe three people here, uh, including you know the booth and a couple here for worship. So thank you for encouraging me tonight. Let's go to God in prayer. Oh, great God, we love you. We thank you and we praise you. And we thank you for the opportunity to worship you tonight. Please bless our worship to be pleasing and acceptable unto thee. And we thank you for Jesus, your great son, whom you sent to die on that cruel cruel cross of Calvary. Help us never to forget, but always to remember and always to honor you. It's in Jesus' holy and precious name we pray and thank thee. Be thy will. Amen. Philippians chapter 3. We're continuing on uh, the transformation, if you will, of, uh, of Saul uh, on that journey. Saul uh, has to admit that he was a persecutor of the church, and he has to go with that understanding of himself for quite some time. And I want to uh, eventually get to that, uh, that thought, if you will, um, with Paul. But verse 6 says, As to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. And that, that idea of blameless is blameless toward men, right? It was, it's like how they saw themselves, the Pharisees saw themselves as being blameless. So though ignorant, I want to go to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Though ignorant, uh, he, he wasn't excused. He wasn't, you know, ignorance is not bliss. He was still known as a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. I mean, God held him accountable for what he had done. In verse 12, it says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. Even though I was formerly a blasphemy, blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, and yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And so God extended to Saul this, this amazing grace. We might say it. We sang the song. This amazing grace. But I ask you, is not that same amazing grace extended to us as well? You know, God gave us the same grace, right? But I want to look at verse 15. Then Paul says, by way of inspiration, it is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. And so imagine what's going through his heart throughout the, his, so many years of his ministry, so many years going through his heart was... I really blew it, right? I, I really blew it. And in verse 16, And yet for this reason I found mercy, in order that, uh, as for me, uh, the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. The man Paul could never have been more wrong in his life, right? Now Ephesians 2, just for us, Ephesians 2, uh, we blew it. To think, I mean, I guess maybe to admit it, but to think that this was me, and you were verse verse one, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the the prince of the air. That's that's amazing. because that that, that that that's Satan, right? In which you formerly walked according to the. Course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. That's me. That was me, right? That was you. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh, and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. And so, we're in this predicament that, as the Bible says, at the right time Christ came and died for the ungodly, there is is no way that salvation would have come to us had it not been for the amazing grace of Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, for that. And so we can echo some of the same words that Saul echoed Even when we look at Acts chapter 9, we're going there now, and look at the persecution of the church, as bad as that was, let's just be honest, sin is sin, right? Uh, And we were, as God said, also walking according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirits that are now working in the sons of disobedience. We were living that way. But what an amazing moment, right? In Acts chapter 9, uh, what just absolutely an amazing moment moment in the life of Saul, but as we look at this text and think about this text, what an amazing moment. In verse 3, Paul's on his way to Damascus, and it came about as he journeyed, he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. You can't be when he says who are you lord it can't be jesus right i'm persecuting the people who claim jesus is the messiah jesus was executed jesus it can't be jesus who am i talking to when you're saying i'm persecuting you and i'm persecuting the church it can't be jesus paul you couldn't have been more wrong Right? What an amazing moment that, that Paul is going through at this, at this hour where, where the Lord is saying to him, while you're on your way with this letter to persecute the church that I promised to build, and then you were behind executing me, and I'm talking to you right now, and Saul says, who are you, Lord? It can't be Jesus. right? It cannot be Jesus. But it was. Right? And in verse six, but rise and enter the city, and it shall be told you what you must do. Church, this is one of the most important verses in evangelism uh, in, in in the Bible. One of the most. Because listen to the text again in verse six. But rise and into the city, and it shall be told you what you must do. Wait a minute, God, you, you got you got his attention, and, and you have him down on his knees. And and now he's blind. He was blind already. But anyway, he's blinded now by this bright, magnificent light. And and why don't you just tell him what to do? Because it's not set up that way. It's our job to tell the lost how to be saved. So if anyone says, well, God talked to me last night. No, God didn't talk to you last night. Because it's our job as Christians to tell the lost how to be saved. Verse 7 says, and the men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no no one. And Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing, and leading him by the hand, they brought him to Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither drank or excuse me, and uh, neither ate nor drank. He explains this moment in Acts twenty six. In verse thirteen, when he reflects back to what he was thinking about or what was going on, and even further conversation, in Acts twenty-six in verse thirteen, and midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining all around me, and those who were journeying with me. And when he had fallen, was he and all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me, in the Hebrew Dialect. So now we, we get more detail, right? It was in the Hebrew dialect that, that Jesus spoke to him. And Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And they understood that because that's that prodding, the prodding device uh, to get the oxygen moving. And if you kick against it, I mean, that's, that's a big owie, right? So you don't ever do that. And so, so fighting against Jesus is exactly what Saul was doing. And God made that clear to him. And while he was in blindness for three days, which is another number, right? A great number for God. I want you to think about, just for a moment, the sermon, Acts chapter 7, that Stephen preached. And I want you to hear the words that Stephen presents at the end of his sermon. Maybe it was the conclusion, it was the call to repentance, and Saul was there. And I can, I can only imagine what Saul hears echoing and rattling around in his mind. I can only imagine the way he heard the message of Stephen rattling over and over and over in his mind. What did Stephen say? He was speaking right to Saul, right? He's talking to everyone. All the Pharisees and scribes were there. Uh, but he's speaking to Saul. And Saul is blind. And he's, he's reflecting. And he's thinking about all that he had done. And the evil and the wickedness that's in his mind. And he was so, so wrong. And he reflects on what Stephen just said not many, not many days ago. Saul, verse 51. You men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and of ears and are always resisting the Holy Spirit, you are doing just as your fathers did. Which one of you, the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You who received the law as ordained by angels and yet did not keep it. Saul, you are the man remember he was right there and he held the coat of Stephen he says stone that man because everything Stephen said was agreeable by those who were standing by all the way up to verse 50 the whole summary if you will the sermon of the Old Testament was all great and wonderful until he started meddling with people until he started pointing out the truth of what was going on and Saul heard that message and Saul said execute this man it's exactly what stephen said and he had three days to think about that he had three days to reflect on that and in acts 9 in in verse 17 and ananias departed and entered the house and after laying his hands on him said brother saul the lord who has appeared to you on the road by which you were coming has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the holy spirit And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. He regained his sight and he arose. Now the teaching comes in, right? He arose and he was baptized because he learned. And Ananias showed him the way. That's our responsibility to tell the world how to be saved. It's our job. Again, God could have sent an angel. God, God himself could have told Saul, but he did not do that. He left it to Ananias to do what Ananias' responsibility was. Now, here's what we learned. A lesson for us. Right now, we're talking about World Bible School. Here's a great thing, right? Look, you don't know who's going to respond to this if you post it. Right? Might as well add that in, right? Free. Kind of a free commercial. It's still there. You don't know who's going to respond. And all you did was put it on a, you just put this in a hospital uh, you know, room or or you, you're laid there somewhere at your doctor's office or your dentist's office, and someone picks it up and, and says, hey, you know, what is this all about? And you don't know who's going who's gonna to respond or who's going to listen. In other words, when it comes to, to the gospel, the Bible says it's like scattering the seed, right? You don't, you don't know where the seed's going to land. You just scatter the seed. And here we are scattering the seed, and you never know who's going to respond to the message of Jesus. And I want you to think for just a moment about about Paul, this this man named Saul, and God says some things about him that no one believed. None of us would have believed it either. And in verse 10 of Acts chapter 9, now there was a certain disciple of Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias! And he said, Behold, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire of the house of, of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to thy saints, Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call upon him. Thy name. Why would I want to talk to him? I mean, you know, that's kind, of, that's kind of a risky business, Lord, to go to him. And, by the way, he probably will never change anyway. I mean, this man has come down here uh, for violence. And in verse 15, the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and sons of Israel. How could he be a chosen vessel? But now here we are, almost 2,000 years removed. Think about how many times the Holy Spirit, uh, as, as directed Saul or Paul to write, and we've gone to the scriptures that the Holy Spirit used to help us to convert someone to Jesus. How many people were converted to Christ through the teaching of the Apostle Paul? who will later become Paul. How, how many people have been converted from this one conversion? See, God, in the big picture, right, even uses or does the impossible, using people that, that maybe we might have thought would never, would never ever surrender to God. But, but this man was so convicted, and you say, well, if I had a bright light uh, come down on me, well, you have. <laughs> Jesus is that light. <laughs> You've had the light. What are you going to do with it? The light came down to wake him up, to help him to see what you and I see, know, and understand. And look at what happened to this man in verse in Acts chapter nine and down in verse nineteen. Look at what happened. And he took food and was strengthened. Now for several days he was with the disciples who were at Damascus, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is the son of God immediately, right? He gets in the synagogue on that Saturday and he starts saying, hey guys, I've never been more wrong. Look, let me teach you. Wow, right? You never know who's going to accept the gospel and run with the gospel and carry out the work and the will of God. All right. In this transformation, if you will, we, we notice that when you start reading the book of Acts, and Saul is introduced to us, he's introduced as Saul, and then later on he becomes Paul. And I want to kind of show you, uh, talk to you about that for just a minute in closing uh, this lesson out. Acts 13. So when did Saul, his name change to Paul? Acts 13 and verse 2. And while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So now, Saul is an apostle, if you will, uh, or separated by God at this point. A man who's been sent out by God, by the Holy Spirit, who doesn't call him Paul. The Holy Spirit calls him Saul, right? And he he sets him apart as a child of God and says, "I I want him to go out in Barnabas and go and do my work. So, the first missionary journey, he is known as Saul. It is during this missionary journey, that his name is translated or transferred to Paul. But the reality is, when you're looking at Saul, Saul is his Jewish name. And Paul is his Roman name. So he's always been Saul or Paul or Saul and Paul, but they don't begin to call him Paul until that first missionary journey goes on. We pick up in verse 9, but Saul, who was known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, fixed his gaze upon him. So here's an idea or a thought. Um, maybe Paul began to use his Roman name because of his mission that God gave to him. Now Acts 9 and uh, in verse, uh, actually, excuse me, Acts 13, verse 12. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had happened, being amazed at the teaching of the Lord. Now Paul and his companions put out to sea from Paphos and came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. Just writing that missionary journey. He goes from Saul to now Paul. So here's what Paul says about his mission for God. First Corinthians uh, chapter 9 here's what he says and we'll look at what Jesus said in just a moment. First Corinthians 9 beginning at verse 19 For though I am free from all men I have made myself a slave to all that I might win the more and to the Jews I became as a Jew so that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law though not being myself under the law that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those who are without law. So now you go to the Gentiles and you say, Hi, my name is Paul. He uses his Roman name. Verse 22. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I may by all means, save some, and I do all things for the sake of the gospel, that I may become a fellow partaker of it. And so here he goes from Saul to Paul. He uses that name, if you will, interchangeably to teach if you the word of God and proclaim it. But Paul is what we identify him as when you look at all the letters that are written to the church. The apostle Paul is of Jesus. So it wasn't that this transformation happened and then all of a sudden he became this new man like, like Cephas to Peter. But rather he was always known as Paul and always known as Saul. In Acts 22 in verse 15 the Bible tells us regarding the teaching of Paul as he preaches to the Gentiles. Acts 22 in verse 15 For you will be a witness for him to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now why do you delay? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins calling on his name. So all of us have been called to be baptized into Jesus uh, to wash our sins away and to walk with Jesus from this point forward. And it came about that when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I fell into a trance and I saw him saying to me make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves understand that in one synagogue after another, I used to imprison and beat those who believed in thee. This is our way of thinking, right? You're like, why would they believe me? I mean, just the other day, you know, a couple months ago, whatever it may be, I was right next to them persecuting the Christians uh, but now I understand the truth. Why wouldn't they listen to me? Of all people, I've been there in their shoes. And I understand now. And and, and Jesus says, no, no, it doesn't work this way. <laughs> right? Remember, you didn't listen to me. Oh, yes, yeah, right. All right, look. Verse 20. And when the blood of thy witness Stephen was being shed, I also was standing by approving and watching out uh, for the cloaks of those who were slaying him. And he said to me, go... For I will send you far away to the Gentiles. In the earlier teaching of Jesus, a prophet is not without honor except within his own hometown. So here's another bit to our evangelism. Sometimes we think, well, you know, I'll go to my family, and of all people, they should listen to me, right? Then not always work that way. If I go back to my city where I was born and where I grew up, in my state, I could talk to the people. It doesn't always work that way. Right? So, evangelism has this amazing, interesting um, uh, twist to it. And it's not a twist at all. It's this. And evangelism, the reality is, you and I really don't matter. Only God matters. So, what our prayer is that God will send someone to whomever he wishes. And if it's me, then thank you, God. And if it's someone else, thank you, God. My job is just to scatter the seed. And as I scatter the seed and teach about Jesus, God is going to do his work. Maybe I'm going to be the one to plant the seed. Maybe I'll be the one to water the seed. But regardless of which, it's God who causes the increase or the growth, right? Evangelism. Who would have ever thought that Saul would ever change, the early church may have thought. I know I would have thought that. But he did. And what an amazing transformation he made. Tonight's closing thought is, don't count people out. Right? Don't play God. Instead, just preach. Just teach. That's our job. Just preach and just teach. And you never know who's going to respond to the gospel call of Jesus Christ our Lord. Maybe there's someone tonight that wants to respond. The invitation is yours, to surrender, to be baptized, calling on the name of the Lord, and wash away your sins. Or maybe you're struggling and you would like prayers made in your behalf. If we can help in any way, please come while together. We stand and sing our song of invitation. Why don't you come? There's free.